This video is sponsored by Jock Farm, a networking social media platform for fighters. The Jock Farm community helps fighters get the necessary social media exposure or even sponsorship deals. Looking for somewhere to connect among other fighters? Jock Farm does just that. But hey, don't take my word for it. Go and check it out for yourself. You can reach them on Instagram, Facebook, and even LinkedIn simply at Jock Farm. And feel free to put an application through as they are currently seeking new athletes to add to their roster. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another episode of Behind the Grind with your one and only host, Simon Romero. Mr. Chris El Guapo Gutierrez, did I say that right? You said it right. Awesome. How's it going today, my friend? It's going good, man. I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited. So you got to fight May 30th against Vince Morales. What are your thoughts on that uh, that matchup there? I think it's a good fight. I think it's a really good matchup. Um, you know, he's he's a tough guy, but you know, so am I. So. Where do you see yourself getting the better of your opponent? Honestly, um, as long as I go out there and I do what I do, I, um, I'll get the win, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just because I believe in my ability and I, I believe in what I get taught. For sure. So it is a short notice fight, May 30th. How have you been able to prepare for it with all this coronavirus? I had a um, one of my friends, uh, Brandon uh, Royville, who's actually fighting on the same card. He, mm-hmm. was, actually, he was actually fighting on the, on the contender series. So okay. I was kind of helping him out and... Um, you know, I was hopefully I was going to be able to fight in June, like late June. So I was already getting ready for mine. So he was in camp and I was helping him. So I was, you know, I was staying ready. My weight was low, working out. I've been doing everything, you know, everything he's been doing, I've been doing. So, you know, I, I always train year, year round. You know, I, I don't, I don't take, I take, I take days off here and there. But of course, yeah. mostly it's just, I'm always, I'm always active, you know. Plus I, I love to work out. I don't like to just sit at home and not do anything for sure that's i know that's most of us especially right now it's it's tough not to do that man yeah no man we've been we've been blessed that we've been able to to go train at uh, you know have like a certain place we, we went to go train at can't mm-hmm. say there but you know we, we have a little spot so we were going there awesome. and just a couple of us and we've just been grinding awesome so before we continue with this i sh- i don't want you to crash right you gotta be gotta be careful we need this we good? need you for this interview May 30th, we need you, all right? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. All right, so I'm not sure how long uh, this fight was actually discussed. Was there, when was it actually beginning to become a possibility? I had a, um, one of my friends, uh, Brandon uh, Royville, who's actually fighting on the same card. He, mm. was, actually, he was actually fighting on the, on the contender series. So okay. I was kind of helping him out. And, um, you know, I was hopefully I was going to be able to fight in June like late June, so I was already getting ready for mine. So he was in camp, and I was helping him. So I was, you know, I was staying ready. My weight was low, working out. I've been doing everything, you know. Everything he's been doing, I've been doing. So, you know, I, I always train year-round. Year you know, I, I don't I don't take I – take, I take days off here and there. But of course. Yeah. Mostly it's just I'm always, I'm always active, you know. Plus, I, I love to work out. I don't like to just sit at home and not do anything. For sure. That's, I know that's most of us, especially right now. It's, it's tough not to do that. Man, yeah. 
No, man, we've been we've been blessed that we've been able to to go train at, at you know have like a certain place we, we went to go train at. Can't mm-hmm. say there, but you know we we have a little spot, so we were going there, awesome. and just a couple of us, and we just been grinding. Awesome. So before we continue with this, I sh- I don't want you to crash, right? You gotta be gotta be careful. We need this. We good? need you for this interview, May thirtieth. We need you, all right? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. All right. So I'm not sure how long uh, this fight was actually discussed. Was there? When was it actually beginning to become a possibility? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So it wasn't wasn't too long. Uh, it was just like, hey, this opportunity is here. Um, mm. you, you know, it's a good fight. You want to take it and. Me and my coaches, we, we looked at it and we, yeah, we jumped on it. For sure. So before he was announced to you, was did you actually know who he was in in your division? Yeah, I I know I know who uh, Vince Morales um, was the whole time. Uh, I mean, I didn't. What I gotta say, I don't know him like personally, but mm-hmm. I've seen him fight, and I've seen you know I've seen him fight a couple times, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I, I know a little bit about him. So before that, did you see yourselves actually like crossing paths eventually? I mean, if you fight in the UFC, you're bound to cross paths with everyone. With anyone. Yeah. Okay. So you just you kind of gotta have an open mind as to anyone can really get it, really. You know? Mhm. So like you said yesterday, you got the call or the message. What were you actually doing when you got that? Uh, I was practicing. I was. Uh, I, I went. I went to go to my. I just had a with my coach, and he was just like, "Hey, this opportunity presented itself." You know, he took me in his office, and then we talked. He was like, "You know, this, this opportunity presented itself." And he was like, "I like it." What do you think? And I was like, "Shit, I like it." Like, right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know? I'm ready. So you weren't you weren't uh, singing in the shower, or cooking in the kitchen, or anything? No, 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 no. You know what's funny <laughs> is that like I was actually gonna go home and eat like. A big meal. I was just going to go, sure. I was going to pick it out. <laughs> but, well, obviously, it was going to be healthy food, right? But I was just going to mm. eat a lot of it. A lot and of then, it, yeah. And then he was just like, you know, now we got the fight. It's like, well, you got to tone it down a bit. <laughs> That's all right. You could have had the meal, but you got to fight instead. There you go. I'll celebrate afterwards. For sure. So before this interview, we were talking a little bit of Spanish. I don't know too much personally, but I can understand a little bit, I guess you say. So, Talk about uh, your background first of all. Where do you where do your roots come from? Oh, um, well, my dad's Colombian, and I'm also okay. from Guatemala. Mm-hmm. So that's where my roots come from. That's just Hispanic. That's it. What makes it different from any culture around the world? Uh, I just think it's um, it's just in our blood. It's just some. There's just some things that are just instilled in like your DNA, and mm-hmm. I just think, you know, fighting for, you know, just like family, that love, um, fighting for what you want, fighting for what you, you know, the things that you want to have in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, it doesn't come easy, you know. It, it, it is what it is, you know. Being Hispanic, there's just you have a color to your skin, and it's just it makes you have to fight more. You have that that blood in you also, you know. So. It's 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 hard to explain it, but um, yeah, it's just you can feel it. For sure. So when you when you explained that you wanted to be a fighter to your your family or anyone in the family, what do they actually think about it? 
when I told him that I wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can remember, anyways. No, I, I do, I do. Uh, <laughs> of course, man. Like my mom was like not about it at all. For sure, it's just I, common, I guess. Uh, yeah, exactly. My mom was like, my mom always thought I was getting beat up. <laughs> and, and, and it's true, you know. When I, I still get beat up to this day. You know, so <laughs> she, wasn't, she wasn't too far from it. So mm-hmm. it, she's it, close. Yeah, she was close. <laughs> um, you know, growing up, we were always like fans of like, like Bruce Lee, you know, John Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, you know, all them. So okay. we were always like, you know, going around kicking each other and trying to take <laughs> Bruce Lee and all that. Mm. And that's, you know, the fighting spirit of a Hispanic, you know, just that fighting blood is just, it's in us. So the, the, those two combinations kind of went hand in hand. And a big one I wanted to, to discuss going off topic here. If you could add one specific rule in MMA, what would that be and why? One rule in MMA? Like there's the, there's the open scoring, which has been discussed very, very commonly now. Yeah, the open scoring and also the weight cut. Mm. Yeah, That's a big one, know, man. I think just like if you weigh 160 pounds, have someone else that weighs 160 pounds and both goes, you guys both go in there and, and, and handle your business and then that's it. Okay. The cutting, the cutting weight, man, that's just like – if they could take that out, man, that would be, be good. But, but also the open scoring, man, I just think these judges uh, – you know, especially judges that never fought a day in their life. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, these are judges that never, never fought a day in their life. And, you know, they're at the highest level. Not even that, man. Even from, like, local shows. Mm-hmm. They just, they screw people over, honestly. For sure. So, so, so if we date back to that Cruz fight, what do you think about that whole, the whole after aftermath of Keith Peterson making the tweets and all that about uh, Mr. Cruz? If you saw what did, that. What did he, no, I didn't see that. What did he say? Uh, there's one, if I can remember correctly, there's a post on Twitter. It said uh, how I'm waking up the next morning or something like that. And yeah, Dominic Cruz like laying on the floor like when he's getting knocked down. <laughs> I'll have to pull that up. but. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's kind of... It's a little bit rough. <laughs> but, but honestly, man, I think that fight was horrible. Like just the... That yeah, that was a horrible decision. Bad call. Yeah, bad call from the ref. Um, yeah, not good, man. Cause he was, it was only like what, two to three seconds left. Something like that. It was like five seconds left in the fight. Yeah. You know, something else. If he was legit laying on the floor, just like out, you know. Oh yeah. Knocked out. (laughs) But he wasn't, man. He was getting up. You gotta remember, man. Like, we're fighting at the highest level. You know, for people that don't really know fighting, like, when you fight at the highest level and you got somebody hurt, you know how to, I mean, you know how to keep a person down. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the flip side, you know how to defend yourself. You know, you're, these are elite fighters. These are not just, you know what I mean? Like, you, you earned a, a shot to be there and to, for it to be taken away. Like for that, sure. It just sucks, man, because, like, you know how much effort and time and, and energy goes into a fight, and if we're to be stopped, especially in the, in the title fight too, it's not just a, any regular fight. That's what, that's what I tell people. I hate that when people have these mm. hot ass cars, and it's just like, oh, it's a ugly car too. Um, is that a, is that a pet peeve of yours? 
it was what? Is that a pet peeve of yours? No, I just, you know, just when they go around and they, like, floor it just to make sound. That was, mm. like, it was, it was like a Buick. And it had this, like, <laughs> loud-ass system in it, you know? this like, sorry. Anyways. Um, back on topic. Yeah, back on topic. I, honestly, man, it just... It just goes to show, like the, the the refs and the judges. But man, we need we need refs and judges that are like like ex fighters who who know what it's like. Yeah. Because man, that sucked, man. How much preparation Dominic put into that fight, and so mm-hmm. did Cejudo. And for it to be stopped like that, you know. It's pretty I, sad. It is, man. Especially when it's like five. That's what I tell the refs, man. I, like when the refs come to you, they say. Anything you want me to know before we go out there? I'm like, yeah, man, let me fight. Yeah. Let me fight. If I get dropped or I get put in a position, you know, let me fight. Let. Mm-hmm. If I go out, I go out. Plain and simple. If I tap, I tap. If I get hurt, let my ass give me the fighting chance to get back up. If I get up and I get dropped again, let me get back up. You'll know when the right, you know, as a ref, you'll know when to make the right decision, you know? Mm-hmm. You should feel it, I guess. T- yeah, exactly. If you get dropped one time and you're standing up, shouldn't mm. be a, shouldn't be a. Oh, that's it. Stop the fight. That's yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> that's a pet peeve. <laughs> All right, last one I got for you, and then I can let you go here. Did you know you have the same birthday as Kylie Jenner? Really? You know, yeah. honestly, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I'm not. I don't even know who the hell that is. I've I've heard the name. Okay. Um, Kylie Jenner. Um, hold on, Kylie Jenner. <laughs> Is she like a Kardashian or something? No? That's a tough one. I I thought she was like close to them, but anyways, that's. that's yeah, I don't. <laughs> honestly, man, like I just, there's some people in this world I just don't really care about to know anything mm. about. I guess she's one of them. All right. Well, like I said, that's all I got for you. Before I let you go, though, you gotta leave something for us—a little something in Spanish, anything. Okay. A little something in Spanish. For me. Para toda mi gente latina, gracias por el amor y el apoyo. Y ahí vamos para el el 30 para el otro sábado. Vamos para ganar. Now you gotta tell us what that means in English. So, basically, look, and we got this car again. Look at that. Okay, so basically what I said was like, you know, for all my, you know, Latinos, Latinas, like, thank you for the love and support, and uh, hopefully I get the same love and support the week of the fight, the day of the fight, we're going next week, we're going to war. Awesome, so before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to thank anyone you feel is necessary that have helped you along your journey, the floor is all yours. I want to thank my parents. Course. I want to thank my brothers. I want to thank my team, uh, my management team, the UFC, and the, and uh, yeah, man. Anyone, anyone along the way that's helped me and that supported me, I appreciate it all. Awesome. That's all I need from you, my friend, and yeah. we'll be talking soon. Man, I appreciate the interview. Thank you. Yeah. Best of luck the 30th. Thank you. Yes, sir. Adios, <laughs> Mr. Julio Ars. How are you today, my friends? I'm really good. Like, you know. Everything's just a rainy day, but other than that, doing as good as I can be right now. For sure. So you got any plans for the rest of your rainy day? You know, right now, I just kind of relax, enjoy the moment. You know, I'm reading this book right now and just, like, hanging out. Just me and my girlfriend just chilling, having some fun today. 
for sure. What's what's that book all about? I didn't actually read the title. Um, it's it's actually like I got a, a recommendation by a Jocko. Okay. It says discipline equals freedom. Field manual. Awesome. So it's pretty it's pretty wild. It's 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 great to it gives you like just an insight on other things and you it just like really kind of puts a good perspective on you. So good stuff. Sweet. So you've been reading books. Have you been up to uh, anything else lately during your quarantine life? You know, look, just doing what I can training wise and, you know, going out for a run, doing just, you know, like uh, workouts, you know, at home. But, you know, right now, like I said, I'm, you know, I live in Queens, so like I'm kind of like in part of the heart of this. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing everything that I can. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So you got some uh, teammates competing soon. Have you actually been able to uh, train with them for their upcoming boats? For this one, I haven't really been able to. Like, you know, we're all located in uh, in like different sections. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, we all meet in uh, Elmwood Park, New Jersey, to go train. And you know, they one of them lives upstate New York, the other one lives in New Jersey. So it's like, you know, they for them it's a little it's a little cool to them. It is for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, like they're getting their training in, but right now, you know. A little bit feeling on the like on the sideline. Yeah. It is what it is right now. Of course. So has, has there been any talks of you uh, actually getting back in there soon? Well, right now I have uh, no no talks of uh, getting in getting back into a fight soon because like mm. one I haven't been able to train the way I want to train and yeah. and two you know like uh, I'm actually looking to eventually you know like kind of return to go to 135. Okay. So, so right now, you know, like in the process of just making sure, like right now, make my uh, walk around weight the way it's supposed to be and just dialing down, you know, kind of a couple of things on the, the way I'm eating stuff. So then, you know, eventually when I fight, you know, it'll be at 35 and, uh, and start like a new, you know, back to my old journey at 135. But in a way, it's kind of like a new journey, too. For sure. Yeah. So if you go down to 135, which you said you possibly can. Who would you who would you match yourself up against? Let's say they give you an opportunity to say, okay, I want this guy to be a good matchup for me. You know what? Right now, there's a lot of talent at 35, and mm. the division's kind of like in like a weird kind of halt. Yeah. But I think they finally yeah. got moving because they start like you see matchups here and there. I just mm. think it's at the top where it's like a little little rocky because little, like, yeah. out of the title. But mm. um, you know, right now it's. Uh, Look, I'm not I'm not a ranked fighter, uh, but I think if you know they whoever whoever they're gonna put in front of me, it's who they put in front of me. I don't have any, any specific person. I just want to be able to get back to training like normal and uh, get get a chance to fight again soon. Of course. So fighting right now is on the side, but let's say you're in your quarantine. Okay, have you been cooking your own meals lately? Yeah, just um, you know, like we have a uh, we've been having like certain. Uh, I would say like food, uh, like we have like Eat Clean Bro. They're delivering meals to us. Um, and uh, you know, my girlfriend does. She worked used to work in food publicist, so she knows okay. like also, and she's a strength and conditioning coach. So she's very right meticulous about you know like what we're putting into our bodies. The you know like from carbs, the amount of protein, you know vegetables, all that stuff. So she's you know really meticulous about it. Also, we have um, we have like you know we place our food orders to make sure we're eating a lot of vegetables, all the, like the healthy stuff and kind of cutting out the snacks that we want to have. Mm. So, yeah. Really just tweaking everything around, especially if I want to, if I, you know, if I'm going back to 35, you know, I got to make sure that, you know, my, my 
my journey to it starts now where it's like, okay, the cut's not going to be crazy for me. And besides yeah. that, as before, like when I tried to make 35, it was a little harder because it was kind of just me kind of trying to handle it. But now I have, you know, great people in, in my team. You know, I have a, this guy's name is a Frank Benedetto and he does the, you know, he's like the, he kind of supervises the, you know, like our, our strength and conditioning and our meal preps. So okay. he watches all over that and he's going to help me with that as well as, you know, my girlfriend who actually, what she's one of the coaches, she's coaches, uh, she's actually my strength and conditioning coach and you know she she, she him and they work together to kind of help me follow this game plan through so then it's a For successful sure. weight cut instead of a painful one so you have like a, a strong support system i guess you could say yeah yeah so let's use our imaginations here right this is gonna be a tough one but you gotta you gotta think here we're gonna test yeah. your brain skills right so let's say you don't have your support system. You go on a cruise, we'll say. Everything shuts down. You're stuck anywhere. But you can pick three food cooking items, I guess. Any three items that you feel would make a good meal. And you got to use, you got to put your cooking skills to the test. What do you use for that? I swear, that, that you know, <laughs> this is like you're asking a question. You ever watch that show Naked and Afraid? Like, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> one, I've been watching that show nonstop. So it's like you're asking me okay. one of these questions. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. See, you know what to do now. All right. So like right now, I have only three food choices. that Three I have. food choices. Yes. So one, it would be uh, salmon. Okay. Very easy to make. And I think mm. it's just not like good, some good fish. Um, For sure. Some, uh, some broccoli and always got to go with some rice in there. Right on. I love my rice. <laughs> now, what, what kind of rice? There's the brown rice, the, the yellowish rice, kind of rice. Uh, white, white rice? White rice. <laughs> right on, right on. So let's say you do cook. What do you? If Gordon Ramsay is there, what do you think you would say about your cooking skills? Oh, he'd say I'd suck. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's Gordon Ramsay. His expectations for sure, are for sure. here. My all expectations right. are like, here, I'm like, all right, this salmon tastes good. This rice tastes good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> so we talked about your cooking skills now let's say you got to go on a food eating competition all right have you, have you ever seen one of those have you or have you even been on one of those i've actually uh i think it was when they did it in coney island in brooklyn it's like they do the hot dog eating contest that thing's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of hot dogs <laughs> so you haven't done one of those yourself no but well, I would you ever do one maybe Who knows? maybe if you're not fighting for sure. Yeah, if, if I'm not fighting, I definitely do it. Right on, right on. So we got some fights coming up. Back to fighting topic. Who do you have for Woodley versus Burns? Um, I'd say, you know, right now, like, you know, like, I, I think uh, you have a, an up-and-comer like uh, Burns who's very hyped. And he, he just finished Damian Maya in his last fight. But then you got mm. Woodley who's also probably more fired up than anything because, you know, like, as a champ, I know it's for him it's been, like, a little bit of a tough go. Mm-hmm. He had his own issues, you know, you know, with UFC, and and I feel like he just has to like, it's a chance of redemption and just to show the world, you know, why he was a champion for as long as he was. So of course, yeah. Let's go with uh, Tyrone Woodley. Okay. And let's see. I I think it might go to a decision. So let's see. Five round decision. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. Have you seen the uh, the new series that Woodley's doing? Uh, your strength and stuff like that. I'm about to check that out. Yeah, you know, look, he for everyone's different. Um, I'm sure he's being he's able to manage, you know, with the, you know, he's doing he's doing like the the rap, 
that he's doing all this. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, mm. you know, like, I just hope that doesn't take away from his training. Yeah. Because you got somebody who doesn't have, like, all the, you know, like, all that. And all then that, yeah. you're just relentlessly training because you're like, yo, this is my shot. I got to make it count. So mm. I always, you know, I always wonder about that. You know, like, people who, you know, look, they make it big and then it's like they let, yeah, they're they're making, like, all these, these moves to kind of keep their, their stock going up. But is that taken away from... The focus of them training fighting. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, who knows? You never know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they, they, they found, they found, you know, like their system to be able to get everything in. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. So let's say, let's say something like that. They offer you a kind of contract, I guess. Would you, would you do that? It depends. A contract and what? Yeah, I guess. I guess like, that's a tough one. <laughs> On a show like that, I guess. On a show like that. I think that. it's just like, it's like, it's like depends. Like, look, if it's, if they offer me like let, let's say for shits and giggles they offer me like a, like a, like a role in a movie like yeah. i'm not gonna take that because you know with like, jackie chan <laughs> even with jackie <laughs> <Yeah>. chan, <laughs> i still wouldn't take it because then it's like i would have to be on set be able to get my training all the time yeah how long that's gonna take so it's like i think when it comes down to just you're getting ready for a fight your focus is the fight mm-hmm Unless it's a cooking yeah. show or a baking show. Yeah, yeah, take that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last one I got for you. I, I want to give you the opportunity to pick your own dream matchup. I, I pretty much asked you that, but you got to name a name. I would definitely want to fight Dominic Cruz one day. He's he, he's awesome. He is, he's a very interesting fighter with the style that he has developed. And, you know, I mean, like, I've... I've even before I ever made it to UFC, it's like I watch him fight. He, it was just like amazed me how he how he made his angles and and just like how like his style of fighting. So yeah, I would I would love to one day just you know as I climb as I climb up you know when I make my return to bantamweight make that kind of match happen. We'll look forward to that one. So before I let you go here, I'll give you the opportunity to uh, thank anyone you feel is necessary. The floor is all yours. Uh, well, always a shout out to all all the people who just follow my journey. You know, of course, uh, my team, Tiger Showman's. You know, I miss them during uh, this quarantine and can't wait to be back training. Uh, my sponsor, Nutribio, Eat Clean Bro. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, my my other my strength and conditioning coaches, uh, H.R. Campbell and Frank Benedetto, um, who've been just really watching over what I'm eating, how I'm training, making sure I'm still staying in tip-top shape. And just my family always, they're always in my corner supporting me. So shout out to everybody. Awesome. So hopefully we'll be catching up soon when you get that uh, next fight news and we'll be in touch. All right, my man. All right. Stay safe. It was a, it was a fun time. Have a good one. All right. Peace out. My friend Heather, how are you doing today? I am doing My friend Heather, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, it's awesome having you on. So first of all, I'm going to get down to the nitty and gritty, but uh, what's the analogy behind the boss lady, uh, the boss lady story? You know, um, back in 2010, so probably about, yeah, 10 years now, um, I was an owner of a gym in uh, Washington, and um, we had an employee named John. And every time I would come in, he would be like, hey, boss lady. And he would give me an update, you know, on what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, why are you calling me that? And he's like, because you're the boss lady. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, 
I took a fight, just one, but I took a fight in 2011 while I still owned the gym. And, okay. um, and you know, I was like, oh, you know, back then I was like, oh, you have to have a nickname if you fight. And I was like, <laughs> amateur stuff, right? And, um, and he's like, well, you got to be the boss lady. And so it just, it stuck. It's fine. So was that, works, was right? that all before the, uh, the matchmaking and all that? What was that? Was that before all the matchmaking and all yes. that? Long before I didn't start uh, matchmaking at all until 2013. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you remember the first events or promotion you, uh, you actually matchmake for? Yeah. So I started out um, doing MMA uh, matchmaking. So I was matchmaking cage fights. Um, and I worked for a promotion called FAMA, which stood for Fisticuffs Amateur Mixed Martial Arts. Um, that was in 2013, as I said. Um, and it was just a small smoker show. It was like 300 people max, you know, um, in a little mm-hmm. gym. Um, and uh, it was fun. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where anything goes. It was a tiny cage. It was <laughs> like a dog kennel. It was tiny. Okay. And um, that's actually where uh, Tag Team Jiu-Jitsu started at for me. So we did Tag Team Jiu-Jitsu back then at that show. Um, hmm. which is where it transitioned into uh, Submission Underground. So, yeah, but it was fun. <laughs> awesome. So I, I never asked you, actually, how come you didn't stick to uh, MMA fighting? Oh, gosh, I'm was not it, Was it just a one-time I, thing? It was a one-time thing. I am not good at it. <laughs> um, I had two months' notice. It was my own promotion. Um, okay. My husband at the time was the matchmaker, and this girl's opponent fell out, and he's like, hey – it's time for you to take one for the team. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> that girl. That's but, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'll stay out of the cage. Yeah. I'll stay outside <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in your own opinion, what would you say it is like matchmaking in, in like a male dominated area, I guess you could say, for Submission <laughs> Underground and the other promotions? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as I said, I got my start with uh, MMA for matchmaking. So the MMA scene in the Pacific Northwest knew me for that. Um, Mm. When I started working for Chael for Submission Underground, um, it was like starting all over again. It was like, you know, proving to a whole nother group of people that I can do this and I know what I'm doing. And obviously Chael trusts me to do it. And there's got to be something said for that, right? Mm. Uh, but it's still, it's still even nowadays, still trial and error. I mean, people are still second guessing my matchmaking and, and, you know, and I second guess it, you know, I mean, people, you know, you're, you're going to do that yourself, you know, For sure. but yeah. now I get the, now I get the very public peanut gallery also, you know, <laughs> I'll make a match and some people are like, oh my God, that's phenomenal. And you're like, yay. Um, and then other times they're like, oh, this guy should go against, you know, people are always bashing us about who Craig should go against, you know, Craig Jones and, yeah, yeah um, for sure. Yeah. And and so there's a certain point where you have to be confident in what you do and um, and then also be open to, you know, what the public wants to see, too. So it's it's hard. It has its bad days, but it has really rewarding days and it makes it worth it. So, of course. So what would you say some of the pros and cons would be of that? I mean, the, the pros are, you know, having a great show and having news articles the next day say, Oh, phenomenal, entertaining night, right? I mean, it's like you mm-hmm. want your matchmaking to be entertaining, and you don't, you know, the biggest difference between MMA and jujitsu matchmaking is in MMA, you 
you know, if people, if, if the whole card loses, or if the whole card ends in the first round, you're like, yeah. oh my God, this is horrible matchmaking, you know? <laughs> Um, and you just, you go home and you're like, what was I thinking? Um, mm. you know, and then with jujitsu, if that happens, if everything ends in the first minute, you're like, oh my God. And yet sometimes they're like, oh no, that's exciting. Cause that yeah. means it's submitted, you know, it's not like a overtime, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So trying to, um, you know, the pros are when you have a good night, everyone's happy for them. I mean, you can't make everyone happy, but when people for are, sure. They leave going, oh, there was a knockout or, oh, there was a really slick submission by so-and-so. I mean, you know, I can't take credit for what happens in there, but you try and lay down the foundation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the cons go, I mean, you know, we had a rough night um, at uh, Submission Underground 11, I think it was, right before the coronavirus stuff. And it was when the tag team jiu-jitsu happened in the main event mm-hmm. with Craig and Vinny and all the, you know, Nikki, Rod, and Kyle. Um, the next day after that, the backlash was horrible. We had issues with people being pissed about the main event and being pissed about some mm. of the rough decisions and, mm. you know, so on and so forth. Um, people were upset when we put uh, Austin Vanderford against Richie Martinez. They're like, oh, my God, that's, you know, Austin has no chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and yet here we are, you know, Austin won. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's just a crapshoot. I mean, you just hope for the best and you yeah. just have to realize that you can't please everybody. But man, when it's a good night, you get to go home and like have enough of a glory feeling that you want to do it again. So mm-hmm. it keeps me going. <laughs> Which makes sense. So at yeah. the beginning of this, you mentioned uh, you do work for other promotions. What are the I current do- states or situation uh, for those promotions starting up again? They're not. So I work for a promotion in Washington. I just started working for them in December called Cage Sport, and it's all professional MMA. Um, okay. And they've been around for 20 years. Wow, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they function out of the casino, um, mm. and the casino, of course, shut down. They didn't have to, but they did shut down during the coronavirus. Um, and they just reopened, I think, yesterday. The casino did. But the governors aren't letting them do anything. Um you know, probably for, I, I would anticipate the next time we can have MMA on the West Coast will unfortunately not be until probably 2021. Okay. So, um, but I don't want to say it's good timing for me, but in a way it's kind of worked out because <laughs> JL uh, just did shows back to back to back yeah. <laughs> every month, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and so he's kept me busy. It's allowed me to kind of shift my focus to um, Submission Underground completely, which has been nice. Um, we've had a lot of tension for the last two events because there's nothing else on. Yeah, um, yeah. Now that the UFC is back on, it's like, okay, we got to work a little bit harder again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, um, but I also work for the FCFF in Portland, which is all amateur MMA, and it's actually owned also by Chael. So he co-owns it, um, which is how I kind of got into Submission Underground. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so. you seem to work with Chael quite a lot what's it like working with that guy he seems uh, like a very outgoing guy that's like the number one question i get uh <laughs> it, and it's hard to explain i mean he's great you know he's wonderful he's intense mm-hmm. uh, and he's funny and he's witty and he's also petty and i like all of that you know <laughs> um working with chael means that i get text messages sometimes at two o'clock in the morning you know about <laughs> random stuff and mm-hmm. then when I respond, it's like, why are you awake? I'm like, why are you awake? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and it also means that, 
you know, he calls me and says, hey, we're going to try and do weekly shows. And I'm like, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just never it's it's a train that never stops moving you know he's constantly a mile a minute um i don't think he ever he doesn't know how to take a day off you know mm-hmm. um and and for me i'm a very controlled like um planner type i i okay. am kind of a control freak i like to know what's going on you know mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. and with chael you have to constantly be ready for change at any given moment you know, yeah. um, last two shows ago, right after the coronavirus hit, um, it was two days before the event. And he messages me and says, all the competitors have to have long sleeve rash guards and spats. And I'm like, you know, we already had we already had Jake Ellenberger in town. We already had, you know, uh, 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 Craig, you know, and everything. And it's, mm. you know, it's just you just constantly have to be ready. But the one thing about working with Chael is that. A, he's super smart, super business savvy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just a very high intellect and very creative and clever and good at what he does. And so at some point you sit back and you say, in jail, I trust. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and you just go along for the ride. I mean, he hasn't let me down yet. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm very lucky. <laughs> yeah. So the next time you work with him is May 31st. Talk yes. about uh, some key matches that we could see uh, the 31st. Oh, there's some really good ones. Um, you know, something I'm getting a lot of flack for uh, is the main, uh, the main, uh, the main event of the undercard, I should say. So the last bout before the main card, um, and it happens to be Don Stoner versus Roberto Jimenez, and okay. Roberto kind of got put on our doorstep. You know, he. Um, He's, I think he's 19 or 20 now and, um, just a phenomenal athlete, um, black belt. He's been trained over with, uh, um, with Henzo Gracie guys, you know, um, Mm. you know, you got, um, you know, the Dan her death squad over there. Um, and he's just been running ship at all the tournaments and, um, everyone's like, you got to have him, you got to have him. Well, we put him on the undercard and people were like, what you know and it's like he's 19 or he's 20 you know and uh but but you know what's funny about him is that he you know we we i've been doing this for like 10 years you know jujitsu has been around for a very long time and has been around yeah. for a long time and a lot of us have you know my age have all said you know what's really scary is the next generation because because people my age are training their kids when they can crawl you know it's no longer yeah. like it's no longer like, did you do wrestling in high school? <laughs> uh, you know, and then you learned jujitsu when you were 20. No, mm. now we have people like Roberto, who's 20. <laughs> and yeah. Black yeah. Belt, which is crazy. Um, mm. And so we're, I'm excited to bring him in. Um, his opponent, Don Stoner, is on a two-match uh, or back-to-back wins with our promotion. Um, and he was eager and excited about it. Um, people automatically assume he's the underdog. I don't know. You know, there's something mm-hmm. to be said being around for a long time and being, you know, 20. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the main card speaks for itself. I mean, we have Craig Jones at the top. Um, once again, we can't get anyone to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> yet, no. Earlier, it's like, I we just want Craig to lose, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, because we want to know that he can, right? 
Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the only way he can lose is if we bring in Gordon Ryan. I'm like, it's his teammate. And you know, I, yeah. I say it till I'm dead to the wall, but people just are like, so? It's like, no. <laughs> um, so, and Wagner's beat him before under the same rule set, basically. And so it'll be curious to see if the weight difference plays a role. And, you know, it's been a few years since that match happened. So mm-hmm. there's that variable. Um, we brought in uh, Brent Primus from Bellator, which is super exciting. We've wanted to have him on for a long time, but he's had, you know, fight conflicts and whatnot. Um, and he was originally matched up against Michael Chiesa, which mm, is yeah. big shields, uh, which some would argue is definitely an upgrade <laughs> for an opponent. Yeah. Um, mm. But Brent, to his credit, said, let's do it. And, you know, so I'm excited for that. Um, they're both black belts, obviously. And, you know, um, Jake's an OG legend. So, I mean, you know. Um, and then we got Vanderford, Austin Vanderford, who's kind of like the new it guy, you know. I mean, he, people, he shocked the world when he beat Boogeyman, right? You know, and yeah. so, um, so he did that. And we got him against uh, Checo now for this one, um, which they were supposed to go against each other a couple shows ago, and Checo got hurt. So, it's kind of like a long overdue match, yeah. but um, okay. and Check goes on a win, you know, win streak with us too, so he's undefeated at Submission Underground. Um, and we brought in Andrew Alexander. Andrew lost at the last event, and so people are like, "Oh, why are you bringing Andrew back?" But Andrew is one of those guys that he'll go against anybody. I mean, he calls out Chael, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's given us a list of names from Anthony Smith to Uriah Hall to or uh, Uriah brother, and he doesn't care. Put him in there yeah. and he wants to do it. Um, and so we like him. <laughs> and um, he's going to take on Jordan Holy. And uh, Jordan Holy uh, is known with us, with our promotion, for um, beating Frank Rosenthal out of the DDS uh, up there in New York. So um, so it's exciting to have him come back. Um, he's phenomenal. Um, so our main card is just awesome. But... Um, we have a great undercard too. I mean, we just we really have some good names that have been with us before. You know, they're coming back. Um, I I just looked at the card a few minutes ago and I'm drawing a blank for some. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's a lot on there. There's a lot. Yeah, we have ten matches total, four in the main card, so we have six undercard matches. Um, we have a guy on there named Charlie Gilpin. Uh, he was on our last event. He is a purple belt, a newer purple belt, but we. We're, we're trying to, we, we've gone back and forth between saying, you know, everyone's welcome in our show, including kids matches. You know, we've, we've started out, we started out doing 20 plus matches a card mm-hmm. and now we've gotten down to like 10 matches and we decided we were going to do all black belts. So we switched to all black belts. Well, now we're kind of like, you know, maybe we, we can build up some people in our promotion, you know, like Charlie Gilpin mm-hmm. and like that, you know, even though they're a purple belt, we can, you know, build them up and, you know, it'd be nice to make some make some jujitsu stars, you know. Sure. Um, so we're looking at that. The next show, we're going to have a tournament, you know, that's been advertised a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it still varies. We're still just finding our, our way and what works for us. But it's good. We're 14 shows in. So that's good. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So before this, I saw a couple comments with the Florida boy and uh and Brent Primus, I believe it was. If Primus wins this week, uh, the 31st, is that a possible matchup? 
Oh, it's it's always a possible matchup. Um, originally, um, the Florida boy AJ Egasarm, um, his beef has been back and forth with Chris Lencioni, um, okay. who also has trained alongside Brent Premis here in Oregon. Um, they they've been bantering back and forth, but their problem is that Lencioni says that he'll take a grappling match with AJ if AJ will take a fight with him in Bellator. <laughs> okay. So it's like That's a one-in-one. One. Yeah, it, 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 which makes sense. I mean, some would argue that AJ has the upper hand, obviously, in jiu-jitsu, and, and Lencioni has the upper hand in the cage, so, you know, for MMA. But, um, but yeah, no, actually, that's the first I've heard about AJ versus Brent, but I, I'm fine with it. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so before I let you go here, I want to give yeah. you the opportunity to uh, thank anyone you feel is necessary. Any shout-outs? The uh, floor is all yours. I, you know, I, you got to thank Chael Sonnen, right? I mean, he's the reason why we're having these shows during quarantine, and um, it's good. It, it's I, We're going to have our show, uh, I'll give the shout-out next Sunday, um, May 31st, is Submission Underground 14, and it starts at 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, or 6 p.m. on the East Coast, um, and it's on UFC Fight Pass exclusively. And, uh, and then we're also right now recruiting um, all black belts for the tournament next month for um, who can win in an eight-man tournament and $10,000 and then take on Craig Jones at the next show. So, yeah, awesome. we'll see who that how that pans out with those names and who can actually do it. So, yeah. Awesome. So it was a pleasure having you on and uh, wish yeah. you the best of luck the 31st and uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Simon. Have a good day. All right. You too. Mr. Drysdale, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. So how's it going in Las Vegas today? Uh, it's going good. Um, the weather's beautiful. It's normally not as hot as it normally is by this time of the year. You know, normally by this time you're getting 100 plus degrees and it's been in the 80s. You know, like, you know, maybe maybe 90s every now and then, but it's been nice. You know, other than this pandemic, uh, we can't wait for it to be over. Uh, life is good. Yeah, for sure. It looks nice and sunny behind you, so can't complain. <laughs> Beautiful out here. Yeah, so uh, have they decided when they're actually going to uh, begin opening things up down in Las Vegas? Yeah, there's there's no official date. We know the casinos are open June 1st with some restrictions. Okay. And they the, the word for gym is aren't out yet. Like, they don't know for sure, but... Some gyms are opening despite what the state says, and I think that if the governor yeah. give in, I think might have some people mutiny against the the governor at this point. People are fed up, and I'm kind of fed up too, to be honest. This is it's a big ask to ask us to pay all our bills. Yeah, yeah. it really isn't fair on the population. For sure. So, uh, Robert, you are a black belt under the IBJJF banner, uh, an ADCC absolute champion. What can you tell us about uh, how you began in your uh, career? Um, started when I was around 16. It was, um, you know, there were, I was very, was a teenager looking for something. You know, I think teenagers are often looking for something to belong to and are looking for an yeah. identity. And mm-hmm. some people find uh, that identity. I found my early on. I wasn't forced to work when I was 16 like many of my friends were and, we're not forced. Like sometimes when you're on 16, your parents kind of give you a kick up the, in, at the butt and go, you know, I'll go figure it out on your own. I, mm-hmm. I, I had it good enough. I was able 
I was I had enough freedom to pursue you know some of my own ambitions and there was some room there to pursue my dreams and um, I was lucky enough to find BJJ at the right time in my life. I was at the right place at the right time and everything worked out in my favor. Like I can't really, um, I, I mean I can't be thankful enough. It was it was a matter of there's an element of luck there. And when I found BJJ, I didn't expect much of a career out of it, but I knew I had found something that, you know, I felt was my identity, like my, you know, that mm-hmm. belonged to. It was no doubt that I had found something special and something that I wanted to be part of. Yeah, it was something, something meant to be, I guess you could say. Yeah, I could say that. Yeah, so like you said, at 16 you began. Can you remember your first tournament or match you actually competed in? Yes, I remember well, actually. I had been training for maybe two to three weeks, and there was okay, a... Okay, so not long. <laughs> oh, no. And I don't know why, because I was always terrified of competition, but I think because I was so <laughs> set on making BJJ my, a part of my identity, I, I felt that part of that new identity was to confront my fears. And so I kind of mm-hmm. forced myself to compete, and I definitely wasn't ready. I ended up fighting the kid who won the whole thing, and I think he tapped oh, what felt like seconds... It was probably yeah. really like seconds, like maybe just under a minute at, at best, you know. And he beat me, and he won mm-hmm. the whole thing. And it was my first fight. And, yeah, I wasn't happy, but at the same time, I wasn't super hard on myself. I knew – I didn't go in there expecting to win. I really went in there expecting the experience. Like, what am I going to sure, get out yeah. of the experience? And mm-hmm. I, 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 got, I got a lot. Like, I, I, got a, I got a glimpse of the competition world, and I liked it. You know, it was yeah. – even in Brazil. So we're talking 98 here. So yeah. it was a scene and, you know, it was the early days of the, the jiu-jitsu boom in Brazil. And, you know, I was just happy to be part of it. Like, I like the environment. I like the people there. I like everything about that, uh, the, the jiu-jitsu world. So, you know, even was a, I debuted with a huge crushing defeat, it was <laughs> it was still a good day. For sure. So it didn't go your way, but – what actually motivated you to uh, continue continue with your journey? Was it just like the winning on the side or what was it really? Um, you know, it wasn't really a choice. It was like when people talk about motivation, like, oh, I'm going to motivate myself if I read a book or if I listen to this audio tape or if I talk to that person. I, I don't I kind of I don't really believe that. I don't know. Like when I hear these motivational speakers, sometimes I don't even know what they're talking about. Like if you mm-hmm. want there's if you're hungry, you don't go around like listening to audio tapes about, you know, you, how you should eat. If you're hungry, what do you do? Yeah. You eat. You go find food. Yeah. If you want something, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to listen to an audio tape or read a book on it. I, I don't get that. Like, you just go and mm-hmm. do it. You know, so to me, it was never really a matter of motivation. It's just more like it was so natural to me to just go back and do it again. It was okay. like going to the fridge and reaching for food when I was hungry. Like, that's what it felt like. It's like saying mm-hmm. that if you're really hungry – you're really disciplined because you go eat food every time you're hungry. Or you sleep every time you're sleepy. Is that discipline? Every night, every night, 11 o'clock at night, I go to bed and I sleep. Is that discipline? I don't know if mm-hmm. it is. I think it is. You know, you do it every night. That's yeah. not all about jujitsu. It wasn't an effort. It was never a choice to be had. It was, and there was never a discussion going on in my mind whether I should go to practice or compete. It just never happened. Mm-hmm. So not only do you you have your own career in uh, jiu-jitsu, and uh, I believe you competed in MMA once, correct? A few times, and nine fights total. Okay. How did that, how did that go for you? 
I won well. Uh, I won my first fight was an amateur fight. I won first round submission. My next seven fights were first round submissions. My last fight was a second round submission. So up to my last fight, all my fights were first round submissions. And okay. then I retired from MMA because I was kind of fed up with the MMA world. It just wasn't interesting to me anymore. Fair enough. So you you kind of turned to a podcast I've seen. What's uh, what's going on over there? How long has that uh, been run for you? So I started a podcast with David Avalan about just over a year ago, maybe. And mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun, man. Like me and Dave are good friends. We, we got a lot in common. And he, he lives in Vegas. So we decided. we close, I guess. Together. Yeah. And, you know, he's training at the gym. And we're like, man, why don't we do something fun together? Why don't we, you know, have, try to have a chat with people and, and, and try to share some of our experiences with, with other no fighters and mm. a lot of fun you know i quit something that it doesn't take a lot of our time like neither of us are fully it's not a full-time job full-time job it's more of a more of a hobby that two friends have and you know it's been going good we've had some really in our, uh, interesting people on our podcast in the past and you know I've, I've, i enjoy it now like i enjoy chatting with people and seeing different perspectives and what's interesting is that we're able to see how you know, even though I have a lot in common with a lot of the people we, we speak to, mm-hmm. we are still major some commonalities, but like some major differences. Of course. So is there like a main topic, I guess you could say, that you uh, discuss in your videos? Um, we try to get into the, the mindset mainly. You know, like I, I, I think that the conversation about technique, there's not much to be, there's not much to say. You know, mm-hmm. like when we talk about technique, people seem to get stuck on that old school, new school debate, which is really pointless. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's kind of like a dumb conversation, really. You know, because one is so dependent on the other. You don't have one without the other. You know, jujitsu is constantly improving. People, they, they, we tend to frame everything in a binary way. Everything has got to be left or right, up or down, old and new. And I think it's just too simplistic of an approach to jiu-jitsu so like yeah. the conversation about technique is not something that is that really interests me a lot i mean there's not a lot to say really i don't feel like it for sure but in yeah. terms of mindset i think that's to me that's a more interesting conversation uh hmm. like uh you know like mindset for for fighting for coaching strategy some some politics in jiu-jitsu there's a lot of politics to talk about like so we try to focus more on I think there's we wanted a podcast that was a little more more of a uh, something more for the brainiac practitioner than, you know, someone that was interested in whether so and so caught COVID or so and so said what to so and so and just conversations mm-hmm. for dead ends. Like we didn't want dead end conversations. So I think there's a lot of that in, in when people interview um, or do podcasts and we just want to do something a little more mentally oriented like that. Something that, a little different, I guess you could say. Deep, the, the, the rabbit hole that is the mind, you know, that's that was the goal when we first started. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot going on in your life. What's going on with this uh, new documentary you have? When is it actually being released? Uh, man, we're way behind schedule. I always apologize to the fans and the people that have been waiting for this for so long. But, you know, it's um, it, it's a lot of work, and we want to do it right because we feel that we're going to do something that is archival, something that we believe mm-hmm. reference in the future for decades. You look at other films on jiu-jitsu like Choke or Gracie in Action, and they're 30 years old. We're still watching them. Yeah. You know, and that's 
I, we want to do something that's like that, but better. I think we have a film that's much better quality than anything that has ever been done in, in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, mm-hmm. We went pretty deep into the history of Brazilian jiu-jitsu as far as um, its, its participants, its, uh, uh, its clashes with judo and other martial arts, um, you know, many of the historical events that led to BJJ. So I think okay. that we do a good job of how BJJ came about. And I, I don't think that it's ever going to be able to be redone because the grandmasters are all dying. Just to give you an idea, four of them have passed away. Okay. Right? Sorry um, to hear that. Yeah. Three of them that we, we interviewed, and the fourth one, George Medi, never gave us an interview, but he was on the list. And we're losing them. Like every year, every six months, we lose another one. And, you know, so 10 years from now, I don't think this will be able to, there's not going to be, it's not going to be redone. You mm-hmm. know, because the people that could speak to, the people who knew these characters are not going to be around anymore. So, yeah. Uh, we really want to be like the definite documentary for the history of BJJ. Yeah, so could you give us like a sneak peek? I know you said it's like the battles between judo, jiu-jitsu, and all that, but like what's it called and all that, all the good stuff? It's called uh, uh, Closed Guard, the origins of jiu-jitsu in Brazil. And we decided okay. to call it Closed Guard because it's a classic position of jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I think the guard is really, I mean, it is one aspect that separates BJJ from judo. Not that the guard doesn't exist in judo. But I think if we had to choose a position and define BJJ, I think the guard would be it, you know? Okay. And, yeah. so, and closed because the story has been closed. It's been locked. And the unlocking of the story really is that the research renaissance that began, you know, approximately eight years ago. And, you know, after that, there's so much that started to come to the surface in regards to the history of BJJ. Mm-hmm. You know? And... That was sort of like, like, like I mentioned, like a renaissance in research. And like people started looking back in our past and realizing that there was a lot more to the story that Hori and Gracie told the world, that Kilio told the world, or that, you know, Carlos Gracie told the world. And it's not that they, you know, I, I don't like to say that they lied so much, but they left a lot out. They okay. opened yeah. some detriment of other people. And so the last thing we ever wanted was to detract from anything anyone has ever done. Right. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give credit to all the characters. So in some ways, it's a celebration of everyone and all the events, not just the people, but the historical events that made BJJ possible. Little things like, you know, the opening of the ports in Japan to the West, you know, mm-hmm. that, that Jigoro Kano's to create judo. And judo is yeah. the, the, the mother and father of, of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's no way out of that, you know. What Maeda and all the other Japanese were teaching in Brazil was judo. It was not, jiu-jitsu was an, it's an archaic term. We just rebranded the term, and you know, and Brazilians did to find like judo on the ground and call it jujitsu. But really, what they were doing was judo, and there's really no way out of that. I don't see a way out of that. So I, I, I you know, of course, I prefer to call it Brazilian judo. I think it's a more appropriate term for what we do. A mix of the both. Yeah, well, it's it's it, you, jujitsu. The word jujitsu predates judo, but the jujitsu that was practiced mm. pre Meiji era has nothing to do with the jiu-jitsu that is practiced today. The jiu-jitsu that we practice today is judo on the ground, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just sophisticated. Like, we passed judokas in terms of technique. You know, in the last two decades, especially, you know, like, competition in BJJ has gone to a whole new level, and, like, judokas aren't even near the level of ground that we find in BJJ. So, it really is a different martial art at this point. But it wasn't. It's in, its, in its inception of BJJ in Brazil. 
was it was you know it was judo and Brazilians just eventually started modif- modifying the rules enough to create their own sport. But you know we want to talk about that. We want to talk about Japanese immigration. We want to talk about the role of Maeda. You know I think Maeda is a character that's very is he's blown out of proportion so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Like character that people put on this pedestal and he helped create BJJ and he gave all this knowledge to Carlos and. And it was more one of those things where Maeda's really retired when he goes mm-hmm. to the He He's not really fighting anymore, barely teaches. But, you know, he was famous. So many Brazilians, Carlos amongst them, they, they use Maeda as someone to create, to give credibility to themselves. And it was very common for people to do that at the time because he was so popular. But Maeda actually has a small role in spreading judo slash jiu-jitsu in Brazil. He really doesn't do that much. And we want to talk about that, not to diminish his role, but, you know, to paint a fair and accurate picture of how BJJ came about. Right? Which we makes sense. One of the founding fathers of modern MMA. We wanted to talk about Takeo and the Ono brothers. And all these other characters were left out. We wanted to talk about the role of catch wrestling in, in, in BJJ. Right? Catch mm-hmm. wrestling. Um you know, the, the Brazilians to this day, they don't say armbar, they don't say chave de braço, they don't say jujigatami, they say army locking. Okay. There's a lot of different terms. Leggy locking, right? <laughs> uh, the Kimura in some gyms is referred to as Americana. So mm-hmm. I, I can't, there's no way of proving this, but I speculate that it, it is influence of catch wrestling because Americana and army locking and leggy locking. They're not terms from judo or in Brazilian Portuguese vocabulary. These are American words that were imported and Brazilianized and incorporated into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So my my theory is that this comes from from catch wrestling. So catch wrestling would have played a role in BJJ as well. The circus, mm-hmm. you know, fake fights. Fake fights were very important in promoting BJJ because people didn't understand it. Okay. Brazil, yeah, I didn't know that. Can understand. So Maeda was involved in fake fights. Everyone's involved in fake fights. It was mm. the norm at the time to stage fights because if it fought for real, the public just didn't understand it. You know, yeah. even the average, I mean, the average, the average person, your mom's going to watch a jiu-jitsu match and she's like, what the hell is going on? They, people aren't, <laughs> so mm-hmm. they to make it more acrobatic and more, you know, more circus-like to make it entertaining yeah. to the audience. And I think we, we wanted to talk about all these things. You know, we wanted to move away from that simplistic approach that BJJ was just something that might have taught Carlos and Carlos taught the world, you know. And, and yeah, I think it's too simplistic of an approach, and I don't think it does the, the complexity of the sport justice. Of course. So we could talk days and days about this, but we're running a little bit short on time. So uh, before I let you go here, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, thank anyone uh, you feel is necessary, and the uh, floor is all yours. Oh, thank you, Simon. Well, um, we'll thank our, our, we have a really uh, uh, talented production team out in Virginia, uh, Steve Jeter, uh, Jay Coleman, Daniel Jeter. We had some uh, help from a lot of historians out there, Fabio Takao, Roberto Pedreira, Marcel Serrano, Elton Silva. Like, we've had some really, uh, a team of very special people that have helped us throughout this journey and often not even asking for anything in return. You know, they were just doing it out of, um, you know, out of love for history and telling history accurately. So I wanted to thank them for and foremost. Uh, the fans, a lot of people have been very supportive of this project. I wanted to thank the investor, Mayerbek Kassia, for believing in the project, right, and telling history accurately in his words. You know, when I mentioned to him that there's a chance that we weren't going to make his money back, 
Yeah. These are his words. He goes, it's okay as long as you tell the truth. All right. So this guy's <laughs> about <laughs> truth and then he's about making his money back, which made me admire him a lot. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Uh, just, you know, we ask people to follow us on Instagram. We have an account, Close Guard the Movie, at Close Guard the Movie. The website is closeguardfilm.com. And yeah, follow us, check us out, you know, stay, stay tuned for our updates. We will be releasing this documentary and we hope to change the history of DJ or help perceive it at least. And it will be out before the end of the summer. So it's coming soon. Exciting. So uh, last one I got for you, where will this uh, documentary be available? Uh, on our website, closeguardfilm.com. Okay, perfect. So that's all I got for you today. Thanks for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll be catching up soon. Thank you, Simon. It's a pleasure. Stay safe. Take care. All right, we out. Miss Lauren, how are you today, my friends? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Not as good as you, obviously. You got a fight coming up. How's everything going in preparation for that? Uh, really well. Feeling good. Weight's low. Sparring's been going good. So, yeah. For sure. So, uh, have you been able to actually get a training session in today yet? Or is yeah, that after, I just got done training. After this? And how did that go for you? Awesome. So, uh, happy Monday, by the way. I forgot to uh, wish you a happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, so it is Monday. Is that uh, something you look forward to in the uh, beginning of the week? Do I look forward to Monday? Yeah. Yeah, as much as any other day, yeah. All right, perfect. So, uh, like I said, June 20th, you got a fight. What would the win actually mean for you if you uh, beat Roxanne? would mean a lot of money for sure <laughs> yeah so like you said uh, you used to watch her on tv what's it like actually being able to uh, you're gonna be across the cage from her what do you think about that that's uh, big honor yeah i'm super excited to, to face somebody like roxanne it's a big deal yeah so what have you been able to adjust to her fighting style or have you had to at all Oh, I haven't fought her yet, so I don't know. <laughs> well, which makes sense, but from, like, recordings and whatnot. Um, yeah, I don't know, because you never know how the fight's going to go until you get in there, you know. I, I don't know. Sense, I, yeah. I've been working hard. She's probably improved quite a bit between, you know, between now and her last fight. So, um, it's kind of the that's kind of the game, is are you able to adjust in the fight or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how, from the tapes, if you've watched any tapes, how different is she, uh, she to you than your other opponents? Um, I don't know if she is. You know, I mean, I, uh, she's going to try to punch me in the face, I think. She'll probably, <laughs> Maybe. She'll probably, she'll probably try to take me down. Um, she's always talking about her Muay Thai coach and, you know, working on her elbows and stuff. So I, I know that, um, you know, I can expect that. I think she's going to try to clinch a little bit so that she can show off her... Uh, her clinch game and then um if she takes me down and she gets on top um i think she's probably got real heavy hips and she's she's a good ground practitioner yeah so the fight is in las vegas have you actually looked about uh, the after plans yet i'm sorry have you looked at like the after party after the fight in las vegas no everything's shut down i don't think there's going to be an after party <laughs> which makes sense <laughs> in the hotel or whatnot eating a burger yeah maybe maybe <laughs> 
All right. So when you actually received the contract, I know you were going training at the time. What uh, went through your head when you read that name? Oh, I knew it was coming. I mean, we have to agree to it before they send the contract. Otherwise, they wouldn't oh, okay. send the contract. Yeah. So, sure. it, it, yeah. Uh, so it's just exciting. It's, you know, it's another good fight in the UFC for me. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about fighting. A topic I wanted to discuss with you today was I was amazed when I found out when you actually uh, you foster an elephant, correct? Yeah, I do. I foster an elephant. Yeah. Through uh, the... Um, the elephant sanctuary that uh, I foster through is based in Kenya, and okay. uh, it's, it's a really good program. It's called the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust Company, and uh, it's, yeah, my husband uh, bought me a, he fosters an elephant for me for my birthday last year, right so I think, I think it's pretty cheap. It's like, I don't know, how much is it, babe? It's, it's like 50 bucks minimum a year, which is... Really? That's not yeah, bad, actually. Yeah, and then... All the proceeds go to that, you know, to that trust, and they um, they hire locals to help take care of the elephants. They do a really good job. They raise them from, you know, whatever age they're orphaned at. They raise them uh, into adulthood, and then they're released back into the wild. So a lot of those elephants go on to, um, you know, have babies of their own and increase the elephant population, which is endangered. So, yeah, I it's I love fostering those elephants. That's awesome. So were you able to like pick the name and all that? No, the they they're already named. You can go on oh, the okay. uh, and pick out which elephant you want to foster, you know, kind of based on their story that they have. And the elephant that I fostered just had a super touching story that that really hit home for me and so uh she was the one I wanted to foster. That's awesome. So I was yeah, I was gonna ask you, were you able to pick it or did they like assign you a, an elephant? You can you can do that where you can have them assign you an elephant if you don't want to pick. But I wanted I wanted to pick one, and so I went through the website and I read like all of their stories and where each elephant came from, yeah, and how they were orphaned and and how their personalities are. I mean, they're just like people. They all have their own personalities, and they've all been through pretty traumatic events. It just it spoke to me so much. So, um, it's a it's a super cool organization to to be able to support. I'm I'm super proud actually that I get to support that organization. And I feel like I get way more in return than, mm-hmm. than what we actually pay for. So someday I hope to be able to go visit their nursery and go. I was just gonna ask to see that yeah. person. Yeah, I would love that to be able to. That'd go be to pretty cool. And, yeah, and see what they do. I don't know if I'll ever be able to meet the orphan that I foster, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a it's just such a cool uh it's just such a cool program and such a cool thing that they do i i really encourage everybody to look into it and they rescue more than just elephants too they have uh, all sorts of wildlife there that is in need um and then mm-hmm. i also support um an elephant uh sanctuary in thailand as well okay so you support two not just one yeah one in kenya and one in thailand yeah that's awesome. So uh, we talked about your elephants now. <laughs> we got to talk about uh, these negative comments that were flying around. I know you talked about that in a couple interviews, but uh, how are you able to keep your head on straight and focus and ignore that stuff? Um, I, uh, well, it just kind of depends. Like it, it's not always easy, of course, but um, sure. like I, I, got off Twitter for a few days. Um, sometimes I think about getting back on Twitter to to post like these interviews and things like that, or maybe to communicate mm. like with fans or with the press. But 
I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't seem worth it to me because social media can be so hateful. Of and, course, yeah. Uh, yeah, it can just be really, really hateful, and I just don't know if it's worth it to me. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I deserve the amount of hate that I've gotten. Certainly, no one does and, uh, for sure. Yeah, nobody does. And um, I was just talking to my husband about that, the case with Hannah Kimura that happened. I think she committed suicide last Friday, and um, we were talking a lot about how. You know, people for one day on Twitter are going to be like, oh, Twitter bullies, you know, we have to do something about this. Twitter bullies, it needs to stop. And cyber bullying is a problem. And then the next day, everybody just goes back to doing what they were doing. And that Mm -hmm. poor woman, it's like when she was getting bullied, nobody came to her defense. Nobody stood up for her. The the reality show that she went on didn't come forward and, and defend her to the fans the producers of that reality show are not going to make any changes in the future, I would guess. And the media didn't support her at all. So, you know, recently I, I did a podcast with MMAfighting.com mm-hmm. and it was a really good podcast. It was an hour long. So <clears throat> the odds of people watching the entire hour are not great. And uh, somebody that works for MMAfighting.com, um, Steve Morocco, mm-hmm. he wrote a really shitty headline. He, okay. he literally he literally wrote a headline of something that I didn't say. He said mm-hmm. that I said it, but I it was something I didn't say. Okay. And it, it, you know, it was just a shock headline and it was meant to create drama and controversy. And uh, it was meant to like stir the pot. And it, it was just really a shitty thing to do. Like it it portrayed me in a way that wasn't accurate. It um, it was deliberately shitty and so it's like you know to me that's not reporting news that's not reporting news at all that's not what the media is there for um that was just you know somebody in a position of power using his power in a really shitty way and Mm. it left me in a really helpless position so it um it was super hurtful it was it was not cool at all and uh i don't know what i can do except to keep speaking out about it you know on the ultimate fighter i was portrayed in a really negative light and um i signed an nda with a non-disclosure agreement with ultimate fighter so i can't always come forward and Mm -hmm. correct that but i didn't sign an nda with mmafighting.com i don't owe those people anything you know i don't i don't know why to this day i don't understand why they asked me to come on their podcast just so that they could throw me under the bus like that it it was a really awful thing to do and there was a lot of backlash from it and, um, I, you know, Stephen Morocco is going to go ahead and get paid for that article and he's going to go on with his life. And he's not going to realize that I don't know if he's ever going to realize that, you know, the damage that he does. And I, I wish that people in the media were better at paying attention to to things like that, like like the athletes that they report about are human. Like I'm yeah. a real person yeah. and I didn't deserve to have a stranger treat me like that. And then to have all the hate that followed from it and all the drama and negativity, like that was not at all what I wanted out of going on that A-side podcast. And so I, for me, it's confusing and it's hurtful and it it leaves me in a pretty um, vulnerable position. I feel really helpless most of the time about it. And I'm really not sure what I can do, you know, to try and fix that. Certainly MMA fighting is never going to do anything to try and fix it. But I wish that they... You know, before they wrote things, I wish that they would think about how it affects the athletes, you know, because yeah. it, it, it does get depressing. And um, 
somebody like Hannah Kimura is a very tragic, it's a tragic thing that she felt like there was no way out for her except to commit suicide. That's awful. And that's largely based on, you know, the media surrounding her. Mm -hmm. Personally, I, it might sound a little bit cringy, but I've seen things like that happen more often than not. And it, it hurts me a little bit because I've been doing this over a year, close to a year. And I've seen articles and people, because I've talked to many, many people and people do it to like up themselves and not think about like the other side, I guess you could say. Like they're yeah. doing it for themselves. I don't know if that makes sense, but it just it's, it feels bad for me too. I know it obviously hurts people who suffer from it, but it's hard to explain. So yeah, I appreciate you for opening it up like that. Thanks. Thanks for asking yeah. me about it. I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. So hopefully we can uh, do our best to fix something like that to uh, prevent uh, future future problems. Cute dog, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Her name's Penny. <laughs> Penny. She looks kind of like the same color as a penny, actually, now that I realize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, last one I got for you. Um, how could you, what advice could you give someone who may suffer from that? Because obviously people think fighters have like an upper edge on them or maybe they're some different, but you guys are humans as well. So what advice could you give to someone else? Um. Well... I think it's important to keep speaking out about it. You know, like when Stephen Morocco wrote that headline and I spoke out about it, he actually called me. Um, I don't I don't know why he called me because he never really did anything to make it right. You know, mm-hmm. I think he was just calling to, like, try and explain himself and kind of make excuses. And like one of the things he told me, he was like, it's not personal. You know, this is I'm just, you know, in the media. I need to get clicks. I'm just doing my job. But it's like saying that it's not personal is just something that people say when they don't want to take responsibility for their own actions, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's important that people keep speaking up about it and saying, like, this isn't right and it's not okay, And I am a person, you know, I'm a real person. And um, to to frame me in that kind of light is not acceptable. I think it's important too to try and stay positive and just keep pressing forward and. Um, you know, just remember that social media is not always real. The stuff that the media puts out there is not always real. Um, what is real is like my relationship with my husband and what is real is, is, you know, um, my relationship with my coaches and my teammates and the people that I see every day and and the opinions of people that I respect a lot. So Mm -hmm. Stephen Morocco definitely lost all my respect when he pulled his little stunt that he pulled and, um, even though it was really hurtful and really shitty and a terrible thing to do, like I'm strong enough to pick myself up and keep moving forward. You know, I don't really have any other choice. That's the thing. Some people, they can't, they're not able to say that. So it's yeah. glad to hear you can say that. So uh, last one I got, I'm pretty sure I said that last time, but before I let you go, uh, it would be awesome if you could uh, thank anyone you feel is necessary. Yeah. This, the floor is all yours. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I have a couple of really great sponsors right now. Blackout Coffee has been doing a really great job, and they have an awesome product. So um, if you go to my Instagram profile, uh, there's a link in my bio, and you guys can get money off, a percentage off, and the coffee is really? delivered right to your door, and it mm-hmm. is really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking for a good CBD product, Rod, Rod Keys CBD is awesome. It's super clean product. It's helped me through a couple camps now. I really appreciate them. And then I just want to thank everybody at Main Street Muay Thai. 
and boxing here in Houston and also everybody at Gracie Baja Katie because um, they're just awesome. You know, I train at Henzo Gracie a lot here in Houston as well. But um, most of my main MMA training comes from Gracie Baja Katie and from Main Street Muay Thai. And uh, I just love those guys and I love my coaches. So big shout out to them. Awesome. So it was cool having you on and uh, hopefully you can stay strong and best of luck on your fight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. So uh, stay safe. All right. Have a good one. All right. Peace out. Bye.